And welcome to the game of the year, the one we've all been waiting for. There's a capacity crowd here, the conditions are absolutely perfect, with an atmosphere that's really electric. Now the band's just leaving the pitch, and we're waiting for it. Yes, I, I think I can see them. Yes, it's the team. Here they come. Just listen to that roar. You are listening to Four at the Back with Dan and Ken. Welcome to Four at the Back, everybody. I'm Ken Tomash. He's Dan Loney. This is a more or less weekly podcast touching on four topics from American soccer. They might be the four hottest topics, or they might just be four topics that amuse us. We try to make them interesting topics, at least. This week, the U.S. men's national team begins a big summer. Shep Messing stops by to talk about the Red Bulls of today and the cosmos of yesterday, and we'll look at the U.S. Open Cup, the field for which is now set. Topic one. It's a very busy summer for the U.S. men's national team. It begins next week. They play Costa Rica on June 3rd, and they host Honduras in Chicago on June 9th. Then it's off to the Confederations Cup in South Africa, where they'll play Italy, Brazil, and Egypt between June 15th and the 21st. July has the Gold Cup. Then back to qualifying in August and September, and then they finish the Hex in October. That is a lot. Obviously, the qualifiers have to come first in priority. Two of them in just four days next week, starting in Costa Rica, where the U.S. is 0-6-2 lifetime. The Ticos are just a point behind in the group. Mathematically, you probably don't need to win there, but, Dan, does the U.S. need to get a result psychologically? It depends. I don't think so. Uh, I think they want to get a draw. I, I know they don't want to get blown out, but you mentioned the Confederations Cup and the big showdown with Egypt and those two other teams. I think that is the yardstick the United States is going to be measuring themselves with. I think they want to see how they do against the truly world-class teams. I don't think they have anything to prove in CONCACAF. I think it is just about the results. And so let's say they waltz into Costa Rica, and they have their first team. Or let's say Honduras gets a draw or, or, God help us, wins in Chicago. All that goes away if they recover and do well against Brazil and Italy, even though that doesn't help in the standings, because, and I know I should be struck by lightning for saying this, but qualifying is a foregone conclusion. They're good enough to do it. They only have a couple more dangerous games left. They're so used to each other. Bradley knows what he's doing, despite what you read online. It's, it's a, it's a speed bump. It's something that if they win in Costa Rica, it's another hurdle. But if they win in Costa Rica and then get slammed by Brazil and Italy, I don't see that anything's gained. If you think that a result in Costa Rica is going to help with the Confederations Cup, then it's important. If you don't think there's necessarily a connection, then, quite frankly, uh, qualify. these two games are not important as far as building a team. I... I think it's, I think it's just a matter of where you think the the priorities are, and just according to the calendar, if the Confederations Cup came first and then qualifying, uh, then you wouldn't want to start losing to Costa Rica, even if you had beaten Brazil and Italy. But I'm not sure if that. I think you want to have a good result on the big stage in front of the big names more than you want to prove a point to Central Americans. 
Chicago's Gonzalo Cigar has been called in for the Ticos for this game. Uh, Costa Rica seems like they got a lot of players either in their primes or just coming into their primes. This is actually a, a really good side. It is. Uh, but the bigger problem is Honduras, who has to uh, – we're at home. We, being the United States of America, Ken and I, you know, we're playing. Honduras has to start getting a positive result. They can't really – Go into the United States, go into uh, go into Chicago and get worked over. They they need to turn their squad around. They need to get some more results. They need to catch up to Costa Rica. They thought they had a good shot at being the third, maybe even the second team in the region, depending on how you feel about Mexico. Both of these games are very tough. Uh, I can so I can see two draws. I can see a loss and a draw. And I can see a lot of people panicking after that. But again, thank God for the Confederations Cup if that happens. Costa Rica beat Honduras at home 2-0. They lost 2-0 at Mexico. And they beat El Salvador 1-0 at home. They're going to have Trinidad on the back end of that two-game set next week. Unless we forget, since it's been almost two months now, the U.S. is 2-0-1 in the hex with wins over Mexico and Trinidad at home. And the 2-2 draw they pulled out in El Salvador. That is one of the two points El Salvador has through three games. The roster, most of the usual suspects. Tim Howard is going to be in goal right after he plays in the FA Cup final this Saturday. Is there anybody on this 24-man roster that surprised you or that you hope gets a shot? Uh, surprise, Heath Pierce. And I hope he, well, he's done nothing to me. Who am I to say I hope he doesn't get a chance? He had a bad game. Why, why would I sit there and slam the guy? No, he was terrible. I hope we don't see him. But the guy I would like to see turn around his season, there are two of them. They both play in Los Angeles, Donovan and Question. Uh, obviously, Donovan is the United States national team hope and future, but he's had a so-so year so far. I want to see him turn it on for the United States. Question, and to a lesser extent, Bornstein, I don't know what I had thought these guys were going to be fixtures on the U.S. by this point, and... Bornsey, of course, hasn't been heard from for a year. Question had just a nightmare in the last series of qualifications. Even Chivas USA fans are wondering why he isn't showing up for club games. He really needs some positive results and practices. He needs to impress the coach, and he needs good games. But uh, those are the guys that I would really focus on. That and probably Torres from Pachuca. I want to see what he can really do to be a part of this team. Topic two. Our guest this week is Shep Messing, longtime soccer analyst and former star goalkeeper for the Oakland Stompers, the Boston Minutemen, the Rochester Lancers, and a couple other clubs that I can't recall at the moment. You may hear him on uh, New York Red Bulls telecast on MSG Network as well as on MLS Extra Time on MLSNet.com. Shep, how are you? Hey, Ken. Great to hear you. And only you would open up with, uh, I mean, Oakland Stompers. You just, I just had a flashback. Boston Minutemen, Rochester Lancers. Good to hear from you, pal. Talk about uh, bad flashbacks. You called the, the Red Bulls' loss to D.C. United back on April 26th possibly the worst loss in franchise history. And it's not like there's not a lot of losses to choose from with that franchise. You look back on that. Do you stand by that? And do you think that's kind of typical of how this team has gone this year? You know, I said that, Ken, at the time. And then, you, you know, as a broadcaster, you always think, well, you know, should I have said that? They've had so many painful terrible losses in their history no matter what their name is metro scores or red bull but but yeah i'm, I'm going to live by that one because that that's a game at home 
that you have, you control your own destiny, all you have to do is close out a couple of minutes, and, and then to give up the equalizer and then give up a goal and lose, uh, that's catastrophic. But uh, that's been the story of this franchise in general, and I think Red Bull in particular, especially this season. How much patience is management going to have with Juan Carlos Osorio, given that they had so little patience with Bruce Arena, do you think? This is like Ken trying to turn around, uh, you know, the Titanic. You can't do it in one quick motion, and, and, and they've tried to do it, uh, you know, with a knee-jerk reaction. They got rid of Bob Bradley, who has gone on to do a pretty good job. Uh, they got rid of Bruce Arena. really didn't give him any, any chance to turn the franchise around. So I, I don't have any inside information as to whether or not, you know, Red Bull ownership is getting impatient. I, I would say this. I, I, Juan Carlos Osorio, for me, is a very intelligent, very hardworking, very articulate coach. He, he's got two issues this year. And, 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 and let me preface it by saying, despite the catastrophic, you know, end of the first half, end of the game, giveaway goals, giveaway games, Aside from the opening game against Seattle this year, the team has actually played pretty hard, pretty consistently for 90 minutes. So to answer your question, I'm not for a knee-jerk reaction. I I think he's got some time. They're kind of in a holding pattern until their new stadium opens next year in Harrison, New Jersey. I I think even if he loses to Colorado this coming weekend, I I don't think they're going to pull the plug on Juan Carlos Osorio. Now, having said all of that, you've been in the business. At the end of the day, you have to win games. Uh, the players I know in the locker room really stand by him. Uh, the designated player in particular, uh, Juan Pablo Angel, he loves Osario. So, you know, he, he's got a leash. Uh, I don't think it's a short leash, but he's got to start producing soon. What's it like seeing a New York team seemingly cursed? That's got to be incredibly unusual. From any sports perspective. Boy, jinxed is a tough word for an ex-professional athlete. You know what I mean? But they are cursed. I mean, they just are. They find every single way to lose. And I was telling Ken, aside from the Seattle game, you know, they're really playing hard for 90 minutes. They just suck when it counts. I mean, I, yeah. I, and so who do you, you know, is that the coach? Is it the manager? Well, they've had Bradley and Arena and now Osorio. And but to give up such to to make lapses at the wrong time in a game is a jinx. I don't talk about myself, but I will come back to myself. I was not the greatest athlete in the world. I, I really wasn't. I think there were a hundred guys as good as me. I was the right guy at the right time in the right spot. I had a crazy ability when it mattered to make the big save or, or stop a penalty kick. So. It, you know, it's the inverse of what the Red Bulls are doing. I made my career and my name and, and whatever I achieved out of soccer by consistently coming through when it counted. I played in five championship games, and I won five championships. I, you know, I'd win shootouts. I'd stop a penalty kick. I'm out, I'm out of suck for 80 minutes. But the ability, <laughs> the ability to make the play when it counts for me, you know, really makes the difference. Uh, and, and, and the Red Bulls, they're the worst. <laughs> you know, the D.C. United game, the Colorado oh. game last year, uh, they're just time and time again, you just, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it just, every one of them finds a way to be the goat, to give the game away, to blow it, to, so it, 
it, it, it's really, uh, it is mind-blowing. Do I believe in jinxes? No. Are there any players there that are part of the long-term solution? Uh, I think when you look through any roster in Major League Soccer, you have to establish your core players, and then you're always going to tweak it. You're going to find your role players. Angel, for me, also is one of the best strikers ever to have played in MLS. Uh, he's injured, by the way, and he's not telling anybody. To answer your question, you know, the young Senegalese Gambian uh, second striker, uh, Mac Kanji, he really looks like a good young player. They have some some players at the back who have done well. Uh, Kevin Goldthwaite has really established himself as a, as a good central defender. Stamler as a defensive midfielder. You, you know, to me, they've got some players four or five you could build around. They also have six or seven you need to trade for a you know a bag of soccer balls. No names involved there, huh? Yeah, I don't have a problem with names. You know me, Ken. Yeah. Uh, look, coaches, coaches in this league, MLS in particular, you can ill afford to give guaranteed contracts to bad players. So, you know, a second second division Argentine player who was kicking around in Greece, Petrovalo, he's on a guaranteed contract. He's making two hundred thousand dollars. Uh, useless to the team. Uh, Dane Richards played a couple of good games last year against. Houston, for me, this is a player who doesn't see beyond his own feet. I mean, he, he has speed. He could beat a, beat a player, you know, running at him with the ball at his feet. But, you know, for me, I look, I look at high soccer IQ, and I don't think Dane Richards has it. Oduro, who was a mistake, well, they got rid of him. Uh, you know, so, so he's gone for a couple of future draft picks. Let me think who else. Kano Smith. Kano Smith, for me, is one of the worst players I've ever seen in Major League Soccer, and he's making $150,000 a year. So so back to Osario, you know, if you're paying Kano Smith $150,000 and you're paying Petrovalo $200,000, they contribute zero to the team. Uh, those are players, to me, you have to either eat the contract, you know, suck it up and get rid of them or trade them for anything you can get. Well, you're not afraid of getting fired off this podcast. Uh, I respect that. Um, no, you know what? I, I told my kids, do do what you love and, and, and do what you think is right, and uh, you don't don't worry about a paycheck. I mean, so, no, do I worry about getting fired? No. I'll go fishing tomorrow. I'll, I'll find something else to do. Well, you're a New York guy way back. You know the lay of the land. Are they ever going to be relevant, even when they get the new stadium next year? Is this really a team and a club and an organization that's going to be truly relevant among New York soccer fans? That's a great question, and you you use the right word because they're irrelevant right now. That's the problem. They're really irrelevant in what could be the you know one of the top soccer markets in the country. I'm not a big believer. Uh, look, I love the, the the new stadiums all across the country, but I'm not. A big believer that you build Harrison and all of a sudden, you know, 22,000 fans are going to show up. It's just not going to happen. So, do I have hope for the franchise? Absolutely. You know, I did play in, in, in New Jersey, in that vicinity, uh, many, many years ago, and I, I know what kind of rabid fan base is out there. They're just waiting for a product. Right now, they're, they're not buying the product, but I, I think like every other market, every other professional, sport uh you've got to win you really have to win at some point uh, otherwise 
as you said, they're irrelevant. Stick with us through the break. We'll be back with more with Chef Messing. We'll take a walk down memory lane, as it were. Plus, the U.S. Open Cup. Does it matter? It's all coming up right after this. You're listening to Ford the Back. Chef Messing for smokeless tobacco. I love soccer. And I love tobacco. But I don't light up. I get my tobacco pleasure the smokeless way. And so can you. With mild, easy-to-use, happy days. It's a smokeless tobacco with a great fresh mint flavor. Just a little pinch between your cheek and gum is all it takes. But the best part of going smokeless? It's really relaxing. Try some. You are listening to Four at the Back with Dan and Ken. And thank you for doing so. This is For the Back. I am Ken Tomash, and he is Dan Loney. You can find us on iTunes at www.ken.com or on Dan's blog at bigsoccer.com. Topic 3. Shep Messing's our guest. He played with a little club out of New York you may have heard of back in the day. And, Shep, this is the 25th anniversary of the final season of the North American Soccer League. We're going to be talking about that a lot this summer. And I'm interested in your take on this as a former Cosmo player because there are a lot of fans out there, many of whom could never have seen the Cosmos play, who are intent that this name has to be brought back either for the current MLS team in New York or for one in New York City. What's your take on that? Can an MLS team ever leave up to that legacy that you were a part of? Can I, I get asked this question, and I hear the buzz, and I and, and and I listen to talk radio, and I read big soccer, and you know I, I speak to fans all across the country, and I, I travel a lot around the world in Europe and South America. So back to the point, the cosmos. I, I have to preface it with a little bit of an overview, and then I'll give you my answer. You know, Ken, in every sport, in every city, in every country, all around the world. A team, you know, a franchise has the unique ability at a time just to really captivate a market. Uh, just, just get into the psyche of the market and you catch fire and it's the greatest thing in the world. And that's what happened in the, in the late 70s uh, with the Cosmos. And it, it just wasn't the Cosmos, it was the Times, it was Studio 54 and the Rock Stars and the Blackout and the Son of Sam and and New York City and, and Pele and Beckenbauer and Canalia and it just it just was a meteorite that took off. So that's something for me that look, what I like to see a Cosmo team, I speak to players all over the world, you know, and they say if I, if they once played for Barcelona, you know, that's that's their team, Barcelona. Uh, or Manchester United, or Juventus, or AC Milan. So would I love to see a Cosmos? Absolutely. Would I like to see it now in Major League Soccer? Absolutely not. I, I, I don't want to see Kano Smith wearing a Cosmo uh, badge on his, on his shirt. I don't think you can replicate, uh, for obvious reasons, um, what the Cosmos did for that shining moment in history in America. So, so for me, personally... It's just nice to have it where it is. In the past, it kind of grows by the legend as the years go by, and there is no team. Uh, you know, when I leave the door open, if, if something dramatically changes in Major League Soccer where you could do justice to, to the Cosmos, absolutely. But right now, absolutely not. I, 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 I wouldn't want to go out and see uh, a Cosmo team uh, unless it really struck a chord with what we did, you know, 25, 30 years ago. 
Well, there was an interview recently with Pepe Pinton on thisisamericansoccer.com where he says MLS can have the name. He's kept an office all this time, says he's not holding out for big money. He's got the trophies and everything. The club still exists. You know him a little bit. Is he nuts? You know what, Ken? Absolutely he's nuts. But you know what? All of us were nuts back there. <laughs> we don't, it was just an unbelievable time. Pepe's nuts. But Pepe is not a bad guy. Pepe... The one wish, and I've, I've been to his restaurant, I've been to the museum, I've, I've seen the uh, the memorabilia, the videotape, the jerseys. It, it, it's a shrine that he's built to the cosmos. And, and, and really what Pepe would like, whether it's a team in MLS or not, he wants the history remembered. He would love his museum to be in the National Soccer Hall of Fame. I don't think Pepe needs to see a team. I believe what he says when he says at this point, He'd give the logo and trademark and name to Major League Soccer. Uh, Pe- Pepe is not a bad guy, and he's sort of the one just feeling like he's the only guy on the planet keeping this Cosmo thing alive. So I-, I have no ill feelings towards Pepe. I don't think he's trying to be disingenuous or, or trying to make a quick buck. I, I think if somebody said, we're going to take your museum, we're going to keep your DVDs and your tapes and everything from disintegrating because Pepe literally is trying to find money so that the old tapes don't just fade away. You know, it costs money to convert them. Uh, you know, so back to the point, is he crazy? Absolutely. Is he a bad guy? Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of the old guys come through New York, France, and, and uh, Giorgio is obviously here, and, and Pele's here, you know, once a month, and uh, we have get-togethers in the city, and, and we always call Pepe because we want to have a good time, we want to have a laugh, and none of us, none of us have any ill feelings towards him. Well, let me ask one one last impolite question, and if this none, is rude, I apologize. No Why aren't you in the Hall of Fame? Um, I, I, you know what, I, I, I don't have an answer. Hall of Fames are the ultimate the subjective, you know, I think, and I don't, I don't think they should be. But you know, Kyle wrote to me made a difference in soccer. Was he the greatest soccer player in the world? No. Does he belong in the Soccer Hall of Fame? To me, he does because he took soccer during that era, that decade, to a different level. There are not too many American players that can say that. Do I think you know Bogicevic is a great player or Beckenbauer? Beckenbauer is my friend, my hero, my idol. Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame more than Kyle Rote or Bob Ridley? I don't think so. And I I told that to Franz a month ago in Germany. So so I I don't know. You know, to answer the question, I I don't really uh, follow it that closely. Uh, I would love it if I were in. Uh, I think Rigby belongs there more than Arnie Mouser, <laughs> but you know I, I don't make those decisions, and I'm really not going to lose a lot of sleep about it. To quote absent friends, that's why he's here because of segments <laughs> like this with Chef Messing. Chef, always a pleasure. Don't be a stranger. Hey, you guys too. Topic four. The draw, if you can call it that. Uh, it's a bracket of the first two rounds anyway. For the 2009 U.S. Open Cup came out this week. The tournament starts on June 9th. With 32 USL1, USL2, and amateur teams playing in the first round. Dan, I know that it's the oldest soccer tournament in the country. It's one of the oldest in the world, but is it ever really going to matter? Only to hardcore fans. Until major changes are made in how it's structured, 
Gary Smith took some shot at, uh, shots at the the tournament itself. He came from a couple of wrong assumptions, but he came from a position where I think he's saying, unfortunately, what a lot of people in MLS are thinking, why are we doing this? What do we have to gain? What is in it for us? Sure, USL fans get a, a lot out of this, but even then, they haven't won it since they, all of them together, form one team. A USL team hasn't won since uh, it's going to be 10 years now. I don't think they're going to win again this year. It's it, They're falling between two fires here as far as the U.S. Federation, how they market this, where the money comes from to make it worthwhile for MLS teams, where the depth comes from to get the players playing at the high quality, where how you survive the embarrassment of getting bounced out yet again by a PDL team or whoever. Uh, and you're seeing more and more teams just sort of tune this tournament out. It's uh, it's worrisome for those of us who do love this tournament. Gary Smith, we should mention, if you, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, maybe you shouldn't be listening to the show, coach of the Colorado Rapids who lost to the Seattle Sounders FC in the final MLS play-in game to get into the tournament. Gary is English, right? Yes. So he comes from a little different perspective. And so I didn't get the sense that he was really slagging the tournament or anything like that. I think he was just bewildered because it can be a culture shock when you're used to doing things in a certain way and they say, oh, by the way, oh, we also have a cup competition. And oh, by the way, it's all on Tuesdays and you're going to play in Tukwila, Washington. And it's not really a cup game, but it kind of is and you got to win. It's just, it's just a, a bizarre thing. So I could see that. But my question is, in a roundabout way, there may not be a solution. I don't think there's a solution or three or four solutions, but what would you do differently with this tournament? I haven't the slightest idea. Thank you, Mr. Know-it-all. I, I really don't. I don't know how to sell love of the game and history to people whose livelihoods depend on this, who have to go in week in and week out, and the romance of going when the romance part of it is playing in uh playing on a Tuesday night in front of an invited crowd and you still have to play the weekend to get back into the playoff chase and that's where your salary comes from i don't know how to sell that i don't think it's easy for me to say well the us federation should promote this more uh, well i can't make them spend that money i don't know what their accounts are and i don't know if they see they, in fact, I do know they won't see an immediate payoff just by saying, hey, come to see the – that's something that would take years. That is a long-term thing to build up this tournament. Now, you can say, well, they've had 90 years, 100 years. What are they waiting for? That's And that's all terribly valid. But it's turning a battleship at this point. This is the way it's been run. I don't see how you get that kind of change overnight. Well, the second round is June 16th, and the MLS teams come in in the third round starting June 30th. The final is on September 2nd. Go to usopencup.com to get all the information on that. Okay, let's go to the emails. Omar from Monterey, Mexico, who's become a frequent emailer, writes, Hey, guys, I really like your podcast. I follow MLS, FC Dallas, since a few years, and I love talk radio, so your podcast really hits the spot. Thank you. Omar goes on to say, though, that he doesn't like our disembodied female voice. What did I ever do to you, Omar? Settle down, Crystal. People don't like Dan either. I don't need this. I'm out of here. No, no, don't get bent out of shape. It's not like I'm paid to put up with this bullshit. I know, I know. Just stick around, okay? I'll think about it. 
Fair enough. Ryan in Portland, following up on our discussion of salty language in the stands last week, has been enjoying the show quite a bit. Thanks. I just had one or two things to add to your discussion on fan behavior from my perspective in the Timbers Army. First off, while I do lean way more towards Dan... Dan's opinion of the whole thing, I concede your point that ultimately salty language is juvenile when it becomes an end unto itself. Ryan goes on to write, however, the only compelling argument Andrew and Lori and the others like them that bring this topic up every freaking year can make is won't someone think of the children? Right off the bat, Ryan says, this misses the fact that there are plenty of children already in the Timbers Army enjoying the off-color chance with their parents, and every one of those parents has had to, you know, be a parent and teach their kids where the line is we're using that language. Andrew and Lori want Merritt Paulson and the Timbers Army to draw this line for them, and that's where we just get frustrated with the whole thing. Ryan says, finally, secondly, the family section in PGE Park has existed for many years now. If Lori and Andrew had to really move three times, and each of those three times it didn't occur to them that there was a section specifically for them, I don't have much sympathy, to be honest. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Ryan. And I did not know that about PGE Park, Dan, but there's somebody who agrees with you. Yeah, I didn't know that about PGE Park either. That makes the motivation behind that letter really questionable. But the bottom line is, yeah, they can ban profanity, and probably they should. And he's abs- it is, I think it helps creativity, but it is not creativity in and of itself. I think it's also more fun to call someone a beagle-molesting squirrel-botherer than just to rattle off the dirty words. I mean, at least make it enjoyable for the people around. But if we're going to have supporters groups that are fun and interesting and add to atmosphere, then there is a process that you sort of need to respect. And finally, Terry, another frequent emailer from Denver, says, Hey, keep up the good work. I love the fact that you have thoughtful discussion about soccer and don't feel the need to generate controversy just to get attention. I got news for you, Terry. We're not getting any attention. Oh, uh, it's not entirely true, but we are under the radar. Last week's show was officially our most downloaded show ever, nearly 400 downloads, which isn't a lot, but it is a lot more than when we first started. So we appreciate all of you who have found the show and are enjoying it. I do want to clear up one thing, though, and Dan, you may want to get in on this as well. We didn't get any feedback in the last week over the whole Stephen Cohen thing, which we devoted a lot of time to. And I know you got a lot on your on your blog, but the thing that struck me as funny and sad was the suggestion that we wanted World Soccer Daily out of the way so we could take their audience. I mean, we are, we're two guys with two computers and headsets who yodel for a half hour a week. We do not have the resources or the time to even consider that. I know I'm not entrepreneurial. I don't know if you are, but we have no, no agenda about competing with anybody. We're not trying to monetize this. We're just sitting here for a half hour every week. And when it stops being fun, we'll stop doing it. You don't have any plans for world domination, do you? If we wanted to make money, we wouldn't even be talking about American soccer. We'd be on the Internet selling hardcore pornography. And even if we did want Stephen Cohen's audience, wouldn't we be saying nice things about him? I I don't know if I want – I certainly know I don't want his vocal supporters. I've Just from what I've seen, it's just been so ridiculously over the top that I would have to be a hostage negotiator or some sort of post-crisis therapist – trying to deal with people who think American soccer lives and dies with Stephen Cohen. I don't need the aggravation. And that point of view, yeah, I, I don't see why people would think that I'm going for his audience if that's my attitude. If it, I'm going about it a really silly way. 
And just as a follow-up, I, I don't know if the boycott or the campaign by Liverpool supporters to get rid of Stephen Cohen has run out of steam or whatever, but it doesn't seem to be a hot topic anymore. If Obviously, if anything more comes of this, uh, we'll talk about it if it's relevant, but it's just not something that really affects us. Okay, anyway, please send us your emails on that or any other topic. We do appreciate them. What's the email address? See, Crystal's back. The email address is podcast at ken.com. That's podcast at ken.com. Send us your thoughts, your likes, your dislikes, your suggestions. Still waiting for that first MP3 file, uh, which would be nice to have as well. Send us that. We'll stick you into the show. Again, that's podcast at ken.com. Okay, once again, it's time for the lightning round. 30 seconds on the clock, please. First answer that comes to your mind. Dan, ready? Yes, I am. Here we go. Next WPS player to end an opponent's season through injury. Heather Mitz. Speaking of sending someone to the hospital, Peter Novak will be Philadelphia Union's first coach. Good move? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for an expansion team. Saturday morning's FA Cup final. Who do you like, Everton or Chelsea? Tim Howard. And Seattle announcer Kevin Calabro referred last week to the world champion Columbus crew. What world was he referring to? A world... Of pure imagination, come with... Okay. I think that's it, and if it wasn't, it sure ought to be. Any final <laughs> thoughts? Of course not. Uh, many thanks to Shep Messing for coming on the program, and goodbye and good luck to David Deal, who leaves the Philadelphia Kicks this week. He's a good man. Thanks to all of you for listening. Tell a friend about us, please, and stay in school, kids. We'll be back next week. Till then, for Dan Loney, I'm Ken Tomash, and this has been Four at the Back. Well, there it is. A match that had everything, and one that certainly lived up to its promise. It's only a pity that somebody usually has to lose. But there's always another day, another great match to be drawn, lost, or won, when we'll join you again.